Welcome to the DJE Podcast, where you will learn about real estate investing from real-life examples. Here's your host, Devin Elder. Hello, hello. Welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us today. My guest is Todd Dexheimer, a friend of mine I've known for many years now. He's a multifamily operator in the Midwest, uh, out of Minnesota, and doing deals up there in Wisconsin. So we talk about that, but Todd was on the show many, I don't know, a couple of years ago now, he's on the DJE podcast, but we talk about kind of a snapshot of what's going on for them now. And so we ended up spending the episode talking about some of their retail projects, what they like about those, why they got into that, how they structured the deal uh, and some of the challenges in that space. And then also industrial, which is a space that we've been getting into lately same thing, you know, how they found it, why they get, they got into it, the pros and cons of industrial, but we really kind of spent the majority of the episode talking about those two asset classes and why they've expanded to those, even though they're still multifamily operators, same as, same as DJE, we do a lot of multifamily. It's the biggest part of our portfolio, but we also have done lots of other stuff and branched out. And I think that's helped the company grow and thrive. And so Todd, Todd and I have a lot of kind of similarities on that note. And it was fun to dig in and, and find out um, what they're doing under the hood and his thinking behind some of that stuff. He's been in real estate investing since 2008. So he's a veteran at this point and has a lot of good perspective on, on how he's running his business. So we'll get into that episode with Todd. Thanks again for listening to the show. A five-star review on Apple helps a ton with the reach of the show. So if you can go in there and leave a five-star review, I'd appreciate it. If you want to type up a nice review or have chat GPT do that for you, that'd be great too. But if nothing else, 10 seconds for a five-star review helps the reach. I truly appreciate it. We'll have a word from our sponsors and then get into the episode with Todd. Thanks. This episode is brought to you by DJE Texas Management Group, a San Antonio, Texas-based real estate investment firm with a track record of transacting on several hundred million dollars of multifamily land and industrial deals throughout Texas. EJE has been in business for over a decade and is approaching 100 team members in San Antonio. To learn more about DJE, visit djetexas.com or the link in the show notes of this episode. This episode is also brought to you by apartmenteducators.com complete ecosystem for professionals to learn how to find, finance, and operate large multifamily properties for profit. You can get started with a free mini course and learn more at apartmenteducators.com or visit the link in the notes. Todd, great to see you again, man. How are you? Hey, I'm doing fantastic, Devin. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks for coming back on the show. It's been um, it's been a number of years since we had you on. And so it's good to kind of check in and see what the latest is. We're talking here in uh, tail end of Q1 2023. So you got bank yep. bank meltdowns going on. I've got, I've got some texts from some bankers that are like, Hey, we're, we're doing just fine. Don't we're worry. We're still hoping. <laughs> <laughs> One of the banks, the bank that has the, the um, loan on my office building is first citizens. And they actually just bought SVB. Mm. So SVB was like the first one to collapse. And so yeah. my banker over at first citizens texted me this morning. Hey, just want to, you know, assure you that we're, we're solvent. We just bought SVP. So I was like, okay, that's good. Anyway, so all that's going on. It's, you know, kind of a headwind in, in um, commercial real estate right now. But then as always, there's tailwinds with um, 
you know, buying stuff below replacement costs, migration trends, all that stuff. So anyway, man, what's going on with you? What's, what's the latest? What have you been working on? What are you, what are you seeing out there? Yeah. Um, man, what's, what's the latest, what's going on. So we've been doing, we've been doing, we've been busy, uh, been buying a lot of different things. So, um, man, since, well, since the last time we talked, which I can't even recall when that was, it's but been we, a minute. Yeah. we've been, oh, we've been buying a lot of kind of the same probably since we talked last. So, so for your listeners are in Duras capital, uh, we purchase, um, kind of, kind of, kind of what you do, but we're, we're Midwest mainly. So we're in, um, you know, Ohio, Kentucky, Tennessee, uh, is kind of our main, main area. And we're buying hundred to, you know, 300 unit buildings, typically multifamily. Uh, but as we were talking before the show, we've also explored some other stuff. So we sure. purchased a industrial, uh, industrial office, uh, building, uh, 2021, 2022, we purchased a retail, uh, we've purchased some assisted living. Um, so we've been busy, you know, trying to expand a little bit beyond multifamily, still multifamilies are bread and butter, our core. Uh, but also looking at other various a- asset classes, not only spread the risk out for our investors, but we like the idea of getting into to different asset classes and, and trying to create value then. I consider ourselves a value-add real estate company, not just yes. a multifamily real estate company, but a value-add real estate company. So I think we can, um, without you got to be careful, you know, you don't want to expand too big, too quick and, mm-hmm. and just start, start like buying everything and, and get that entrepreneur distraction wheel going. But I think we can strategically um, start getting into a few food groups or we have been strategically getting into a few different food groups and, and trying to, you know, just overall strengthen the core and, and of the business. So speaking of the, the banking, um, we had one of our accounts where you know it's uh the the lender says hey you have to put your money with this oh yeah sure uh, bank yes. it was signature bank uh that we had our money <laughs> with so we just got notice uh we we emailed them right away like hey what's going on can we move our money like, <laughs> oh everything's good so we got a notice i think it was today that uh the somebody else is taking over now and our money is with this bank and so it's like okay great it's a it's a you know uh what do they call a lockbox where the money goes in and then yeah goes we've had those sure sure yeah yeah so those are uh, pain in the butt Pain in the butt, but uh, we also had another bank interesting enough. So we're looking at exiting one of the, one of our assets, and we said, "Hey, would this would this loan be assumable? Could could somebody come in and buy it? You know, that would really be great because the interest rate's great and all that kind of stuff." And then like, well, you know, yeah, maybe. maybe. And and then the banker got back to us and said, "Nope, we're not doing anything." And I was like, "Oh, wait a second, now what? You're not doing anything? You're like, nope, we wouldn't, we wouldn't, we wouldn't allow an assumption. We wouldn't give them new debt. We wouldn't do anything." And I was like, uh, we better look at our accounts there because we've got some money in that bank sure. and what's going on. Are, are they, are they solvent? So it starts to like dig into the banks. Cause you, you just kind of assume, don't you, that like these banks are all good. Like everybody's right. all these, of course, you're going to get your money out. You got a half a million or a million or 250 or whatever it is. And these yeah. banks, you think you're going to get it out. Like you don't look at the performance of the bank usually. Now it's like, oh, let's dig in a little bit. <laughs> yeah, underwriting banks was like not really on the bingo card before. It's like, no. man, we got a lot of hats to wear as operators. And, you yeah. know, you're looking at property management companies and vendors and XYZ things. Underwriting the freaking bank was yeah. not 
yeah. typically part of the equation. It was like, hey, you guys are you guys are good, right? But yeah. kind of I is mean, now, which is interesting. Of course, it's good. Yep. And and who I mean, it may be. You know, the Fed obviously they've been kind of squirrely about. Well, hey, are you going to just backstop all banks, or are you being selective? And you know, they've obviously got to be very careful with their words there. And this may drive a lot of capital into the too big to fail banks. Who knows? But mm -hmm. it's a factor, right? Yeah, for sure. And for, for some sure. companies, I mean, we talk about this all day, but you know, if you, you've got a $2 million payroll, that's not a very big company. I mean, it might be bigger than what we run on the multifamily property or whatever, but in general, in the economy, that's having 2 million much. cash, yeah. it, you know, in your operating account for payroll is, is that's not huge. And that's not FDIC insured. So anyway, that, that's a whole other ball of wax. Been very interesting. We'll see if that triggers rate cut or you know what this leads to, right? Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how everything here plays out. Of course, you know, there's always something interesting going on in the economy. Yes. I think that's lessons I've learned since I've been doing this since 2008. There, I don't remember a year where it was like, just sit back, relax. Everything's perfect. <laughs> Nobody's afraid of anything. Like, right. There's always something. There's always yeah. something that you're like, whoa, what happens if this happens? The economy's going to, ah, uh, you know, so everybody run for the, run for the hills. There's always something. Um, and not to take it serious. Of course, you want to take it serious and understand, but you know, that's why we buy with the fundamentals we, we buy with and, and, you know, we try to make sure we're looking at things with eyes wide open, but buying to fundamentally make it through some weird times. For sure. I was talking with my COO, who's my COO now. Um, we started our property management company three years ago, a little over three years ago. And I was like, man, we just been, I mean, just surfing ever since it was, we started it in COVID and then you got this, you know, all this money printing and then this inflation yeah. and then the rate hikes. It's just been a nonstop ride for the last three years. And I, yeah. you're right. It's, it's uh that's just going to be the case. You accept it and you just roll with the punches and keep, keep moving. Um, but yeah. I like what you said about fundamentals. I mean, ultimately it's kind of go back to the thesis we all have in real estate, which is it's bricks and sticks. It's a real thing. It's a piece of dirt. It's an income stream. Um, I see, I follow all these guys that, you know, buy small businesses and stuff. And I haven't really gotten into that, but you know, you're putting a personal guarantee on an SBA loan or a business that could for sure go to zero in value. And to right. me, I just, right. I'm sure there's a million guys that are successful with that stuff, but I've always liked the real estate model where we're going to get some bumps and bruises and scrapes exactly. along the way, but it's probably not going to zero. Yeah, it's a tangible assets. It's, mm -hmm. it's it's not going to zero. It's not 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 probably. I mean, there's never a time in history yeah. where that thing's gone to zero. Well, it doesn't mean you're not going to lose money. Like you can certainly lose right. money. And, sure. and and we've seen it. Obviously, a lot of people saw it during 2000, you know, six to whatever 2012, where you know a ton of money was lost. So yep. it's, the, the, it's not to say that, but yeah, there's there's always value there, and real estate always increases in value over time. It just, it just does. No, it doesn't mean that all the time, but over time it does. Yeah. hundred percent. It's pretty demonstrable. Let's get into the asset class stuff. I mean, you and I, you know, we, we go on podcasts, we talk about multifamily, we run multifamily deals um, yeah. just to the, somebody that's new to the space, you know, that that's all interesting information, perhaps for you and me, it's kind of, we've kind of been doing that for a few years, but Sounds like both of us have expanded into other asset classes, and I'm and I'm I'm always talking about 
internally at, at our company, you know, how do we get new skills, right? I'm less concerned about this one deal that we might do mm-hmm. than how do we get that capability? You know, a number of years ago, we started buying ranches in Texas and subdividing them and selling them and that forced depreciation. And I, I just thought, gosh, if we could create a new avenue here and we like it and investors like it, that's just this new skill set that's going to let us be more adapted to the environment and survive and thrive better. Um, yeah. So I, I want to hear how you guys, what was kind of the first, we talked a, a little bit before we started here about retail, industrial, assisted living, you mentioned. Um, well, let's dive into say, you know, the industrial stuff. How did yeah. that come about? How did you find it? What was your thought process kind of before, during, and after that that acquisition? Yeah, I mean, I think everybody knows uh, this is more, this is, I would, industrial might be even the wrong term because it's not like your traditional industrial bay. Uh, it can be used for that, but it's got a lot of office aspect to it. Right. And then it's got uh, the, the industrial uh, aspect as well. So it's kind of the mullet of real estate, right? Office in the front industrial in the, in the back. I haven't heard that, but I'm going to, yeah, yeah, yeah. mullets are really popular in Minnesota. So, you know, you know, we, my we talk, we talk 13 year old's got a mullet and he yeah. said to all his friends. So well, yeah. we're, you know, it's, it's hockey, hockey hair up here. So I oh, love it. It sure is. Yeah. It, so. Um, but you know, so that, that's kind of this building and what we ended up renting it too. So this is more of a medical area. And uh, a lot, a lot of medical companies, medical device companies, and this is a medical device company that ended up renting it, and they're using a lot of the space for R and D, of testing that type of thing, and they're, they've got certainly their their office space, and then they've got their, you know, kind of warehouse um, in the back as well. So it's a perfect setup for them. We purchased cool. this, um, so this was actually brought to me by a, a partner. These guys have got a decent amount of experience in. Uh, commercial real estate, a lot of uh, office industrial, uh, and they just haven't, they just hadn't gone big yet, really. Um, they, they've excellent company, uh, great track record, great reputation in the market, uh, but they haven't really went out and raised a bunch of capital. They haven't went out and, and gone big. So they came to me and said, hey, what do you think? Um, ran the analysis, you know, they talked me through it. And uh, the deal really, really made a lot of sense. And they knew I had been interested in exploring other asset classes too, you know, through conversations with them. I've talked to them previously about, you know, love multifamily, going to always stay in multifamily, but I'm always interested in what you guys are doing. So if you got a deal that's too big for you to chew on, just, just run it by me. I'd love to, love to see what it looks like. And so that, that was, you know, that was the, how the deal was brought and it was brought to them by a broker in a deal and, and they negotiated the deal and then, and then they brought it to me. So they already had it pre-negotiated. I wasn't part of that. Um, was a part of the due diligence and, and uh, making sure, you know, it was a, an asset we wanted and, and then uh, helped with the capital raise and, and um, you know, kind of help, you know, operations too. So. Yeah. Awesome, man. Yeah. So obviously relationship based, what, what kind of square footage is, is that property? It's a, a just a hair under a hundred thousand square feet. Okay, yeah, man, so that's a ni- good nice size. size. Yeah, yeah, not huge, uh, but nice sized building. And we're actually potentially looking to exit it. We'll see what happens here. Yeah. But you know, valuations came in, and if we were to be able to exit, we'd make our investors a, a really handsome return. So, um, so we'll see. But also, 
willing to keep it too, because we're also, if we keep it, we're making our investor double digit cash on cash return. So how, how can you complain with that? So yeah, it's like a, one of those beautiful scenarios where it's like, well, we could, we can sell it. We can make an amazing IRR for our investors, or we can keep it. We can make really, really good cash flow. So it kind of, Hey, let's, let's see what happens. Yeah. Heads. I win tails. I win. Yeah. Is, gotta love that's those. the spot to be in. I, I want to dive a little bit more into that one. What kind of, um, what kind of debt did it, what did your capital stack look like on that, on that industrial deal? Pretty straightforward first lien yeah. and equity on top of that or. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Very, very straightforward. Um, yeah. It was a, it was a building that, um, so there was a, there was a tenant in there uh, that had a, that was currently there and they had 26,000, I think 20, 20, I might be wrong on my square. What's an example of a tenant that's taken out 26,000 square feet of. This was a very similar tenant, actually just a smaller version. So it was a medical company, medical Mm. device company, um, just a smaller version. And they, they actually needed more space, but they didn't need as much space as what we had. And there was another company that wanted this space. Um, and, they needed like 80,000 square feet. Right. And so wow. they came in, got the 80,000, the other or 76 or, but again, forgive me for the numbers, but yeah, right. They, right. they right. got the lion's share of the building. And so this other company basically was said, you know, we can't stay here because we need more space, but you know, you're, we can't take your, this huge space. And so, so fine. So they went away. Um, and, and we got this company in there. And so we were able to get financing based on the new company's financials. And with that new company's financials and even that other space being vacant, it's still cash flow. It still worked. Still, we're still buying it like a seven cap. Right. And so financially it worked great. Even if that stays vacant. So the, the, the lender said, okay, we're going to lend to it. So what kind of loan local bank? Uh, 25 year amortization. I think it was like 75% LTV. Nice. Yeah. Um, it, and of course, uh, recourse debt. Yep. Um, seven the, the year. One glorious fixed. thing of a multifamily that's always there, right? So that right. non recourse debt, but sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I think we are fixed for seven years, if I recall uh, properly, because we have a lease with the, with the, main tenant who is actually our only tenant now because they took the rest of the space. So they, they took the whole, they ended up taking the whole space. Um, and so I think they have an eight year term. And so the, the lender was willing to do a seven year with us. Nice. Um, seven year fixed. And so, yeah, so ended up doing that. And then, and then we, you know, we raised rough, I think it was roughly $3 million for the, for the equity. So it's pretty small raise to, to get the rest of the equity in. Yeah, that's set for the type of deals I know you guys do on the multifamily side. That does feel like a nice kind of smaller project. It was perfect. Well, you know what I liked about the raise? So I was pretty nervous doing this raise because right. it's, you know, you're, you're going, hey, investors, you know, I know you're used to multifamily, but here's this other deal. Are you excited about this? Right. And that was what I didn't know because I hadn't done a lot of groundwork prep work to get the investors into this type of like, Hey, this is, this is an opportunity. This is where I, why I like it, blah, blah, blah. It was like, here's the deal. And this is why I like it. It wasn't that usually when you're, t- when you're trying to, you want to get your investors like, Oh, they're thinking about this asset class. 
right. for, for 12 months or whatever it is. And then they got a deal that they come up and you're already excited about the asset class because, you know, we've been talking about it for so long. The investors are like, oh yeah, I've been expecting this industrial deal. You know, oh, this is it. And it was also had a big point. office aspect too. And office, of course, has not been the darling of real estate yeah, for the last definitely not. Uh, couple of years. So <laughs> I'm like, okay, this $3 million raise feels a little like, it feels like a big raise right now because I didn't right. know the the appetite. Yeah. You know, it's like, think about how much education you've done. And I know we've done the same. It's like, you have a podcast, you go to conferences, you yep. talk to people about this idea of being a limited partner in a multifamily deal and all the reasons we love multifamily. And it's all true, but it's, I feel like when, when we were starting out, it was like a full court press on just education, Yeah, yeah. you know? And then, so by the time you actually had a deal, Somebody might have been like talking to you for a year and seen sample yeah. deal packages and yeah. all kind of other educational material. And by the time you actually like got around to putting a deal in front of somebody, they're like, oh yeah, this is, you've been right. talking about it. So this is, I totally this is what get I've been to looking come at. out with this new asset class out right. of nowhere. I mean, you, you know, you're leveraging your track record and, and your market expertise at that point. Right. But, but uh, so how was it received? I mean, what was it, was it, all positive? Was it a mixed bag? Was it, um, you know, what was the reception like on a new product type for you guys? Yeah, I would say it was a mixed bag. Um, we, we got the raise done and, uh, and my partners uh, that I partner with uh, Obsidian, uh, they raised some of the money as well. Uh, I can't recall. I mean, I don't have it sitting in front of me, but they, they raised a portion. I, mean, I raised, uh, I, I raised the lion's share, but they raised a nice portion as well. Sure. And so, but but yeah, I mean, it was a lot of conversations. I, I was, you know, a $3 million raise would have, would have taken me less than 24 hours to do if it was a multifamily deal, yep. but this is a $3 million raise and it took me a couple of weeks to do. And sure. so it was conversations, it was phone calls. It's getting, you know, it's investors calling me or me calling them and them going, yeah, you know, are you sure about this? Like, what do you, why do you like it? You know, I know you said on the webinar, this, or is that you know, it's just that reassurance. And like you said, the, these investors have gotten to know you. They like you. They trust you. They've done deals with you before. They know you've got integrity. They know you're going to do, you're looking out for them. So ultimately they're trusting you, um, but they just want to make sure like, are you sure about this? Is this, right. is this something for me? Um, yeah. Yeah. This is a great deal. So, and it's going to end up being a great deal, but uh, yeah, it was, so it was a mixed bag. Some investors are like, yep, I'm in, you know, others are a little more more hesitant and same, same thing with the, any, any of the other asset classes I've done, it's always been the same. Yeah. It makes sense. It makes sense. There's a new, new dimension there. So would you, having gone through that experience, are you guys on the hunt for more of these types of deals? Is it kind of yeah. take it as they come? Are you actively looking for industrial stuff? What's your thought process and what markets are you in on, on the industrial? So the, any, everything besides multifamily, believe it or not, is, uh, we are so our multifamily is mostly not in Minnesota, uh-huh. uh, but everything else is in Minnesota or Wisconsin, and so that's that's where we're based out of, and and that that's where our the the relationships we've built have been in Minnesota. So, um, in Minnesota, quite frankly, is it, it is in my opinion, it's like actually a good market for industrial. It's a good market for retail, mm-hmm. uh, but we don't love it for multifamily because it's not very landlord friendly. 
um, right. state. And so they've implemented rent control. I was just, I just put a social media post. I don't know if you saw it out there. Like I got this tax bill, my property tax bill. They raised my property taxes by 14%, but they put rent control in that we can't raise rents by more than 3%. I'm like, come on. Like, what are you, what are you doing here? On the multi? On, um, yeah. Uh, wow. You can't raise your rents more than 3%, no matter what you do to it, by the way, if you remodel it, make it, make it beautiful. Yeah. And so if you buy from some slumlord who hasn't kept up with the property, the only thing you're going to do is be a slumlord because you can't remodel it and raise your rents. You know, That's you can incredible. It, it just encourages yeah. or e- even if they're way under market, like you can't. <laughs> so, so anyways, not to get off on tangent, but that's why we're really not in, into Minnesota is because of the rent control and just, just not very landlord friendly, but on the commercial side, it's got, it hits all the fundamentals and, and so it is a strong market. So. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, it's a fundamental difference between let's say an eviction court judge making a judgment on a family's home versus B2B where yeah, they're just totally like, different. Hey man, violated the contract, get out of here. Yeah. There's, yeah, no, there's no sympathy. 100%. To- totally different. Yeah. The court system, actually, the court system for, for residential actually used to be pretty good in Minnesota. And now it's the, now it's the exact opposite or the COVID um, and the change of it. I know a lot of states have, have gotten a lot more uh, friendly to, uh, to tenants, but in Minnesota, it's, it's almost impossible to get them out. Yeah. That's crazy. And the, the effects of that, as you and I know, are going to be less affordable housing. So that, you know, yep. that's going to rear its head as a result. And yep. we could spend all day talking about that. Um, so you would, you would do those types of deals. How about the management side of it as compared to way uh, easier? Yeah. I mean, sure way easier. On the face of it. So here's the cool thing with So when I'm dealing with residential properties and I'm tr- going to try to say this to not be too mean because that, that's not my, that's not my point. Sure. But when I when I'm dealing with residential properties, I'm dealing with with residents that are looking for a place to live. But they all come from different backgrounds and they all have different mindsets, right? And most of the residents, their mindset is not a business oriented mindset. Most of them are working a job, and and that's fine. Again, I'm nothing nothing against these people because there's some amazing people, but their mindset isn't a business owner mindset. Where if I am dealing with business owners. That's their mindset. These, these people are mind money mindset. They're they're They have a business that's trying to make money. That's that that's their goal and objective. And so they understand it. So you've got a business to be, to be relationship with them. It's a lot more professional relationship for the most part. There's some <laughs> that are, that maybe aren't, but for the most right. part, a lot more professional relationship. Uh, these tenants, tend to uh, do their own maintenance. That's, that's the contract. They, they do their own maintenance. They, they take care of their unit. So they're, you're not, you're not going in. I mean, certainly there's some things, but you're not going in there and doing little maintenance and painting and stuff like that, replacing appliances. No, that's their responsibility. The other thing is you're signing long-term leases. Now there's good mm-hmm. and bad about a long-term lease, sure. right? The, the great thing with the short-term lease on, on residential is I can raise my rents quickly. I can do renovations. We, all kinds of stuff can happen, right? But the bad thing is I, I that's a year lease and that tenant can move out in a year. And if they break their lease, even even shorter, right? With a re, with a you know commercial, a lot of times we're signing five year, seven year, ten year, 
plus leases. And so these are long-term tenants. We've got a typically a rider in the lease that's a, that's a, a, escal, a rent escalation in, in the lease says, hey, you know, your rent's going up by 3% per year, every single year, that type of thing. Um, so yeah, now if rents could have gone up by 6% a year for, for three years in a row or whatever, then you're like, ah, oh, crap, you know, we, we, but at the same time, it's good when all of a sudden you get into a couple of years where rents should be going up by 0%. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and the, and the budgeting gets so right. much easier, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. We, and that's the beautiful thing, right? We know what we're getting. Mm-hmm. The other thing is most of our leases or all of our leases right now actually are triple net leases. I was going to ask we're, about that. Okay. Yeah. And so for your listeners who don't know what that means, the, t- the tenant is paying all of our expenses, right? And, and even let's say we even have a roof repair, we got to do a roof repair and it's affecting their building that they're in. We're going to take in, and we have to pay for that roof repair up front. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a hundred thousand dollar roof uh, repair patch or whatever it is. But then we can take that hundred thousand dollars and we can amortize that. We can give it to the, and they'll start paying that off for us. So, I mean, it's a triple net lease. These guys are paying for really everything for us. So our expenses, not that they're not zero, they're not zero, but they're very li- limited. So, yeah, because your yeah, your ratios, I mean, in multifamily, we're at a 55%, whatever expense ratio, your expense ratios are so much lower yeah. on the, on the triple net stuff, which yep. is, which is really cool. Well, the that downside, yeah. Devin, real quick, the, the, sure. the, the, I mean, I mentioned a couple downsides, but here's probably one of the biggest downsides in my opinion. Um, well, there's, there's a couple, but it, this is a big one. A tenant in a commercial space might take me a couple months to find and then a couple months to actually land completely negotiate with the lease, all that kind of stuff. And then they've got to build out. And so we have some TIs tenant improvements that we have to pay for. So that costs us money. And then finally they get in and then they finally pay their rent. So by the time from what the day I listed it, and if it was vacant, the day I listed it to the day they move in and actually start paying me money. Cause you're usually not paying you day one, by the way. That right. might be six, nine, even 12 months yeah. or, or longer. And so sometimes we're out of income for a year or more on that unit. And that can be, that can hemorrhage money really quickly if you're not careful about your reserves and how you're doing things. So we make sure we have good, good reserves. I mean, we do, we do reserves for multifamily, but for commercial, you got to be way more careful uh, on those reserves and how you allocate that. So residential, yeah, for- man, it's just like you throw an ad up on, online and boom, it's, it's rented. hundred percent. Yeah. And you lose a tenant and it's like, you no know, deal. half a percentage of your occupancy. It's like whatever. Right. Right. Um, and easily replaceable. Well, yeah. I appreciate you calling that out. Cause it's obviously not all good. Otherwise we'd all just do that. I'll do it. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's trade-offs, uh, you know, the, not the recourse debt is one of the trade-offs, the timing on leasing and the, yep. your, your lease pool or your, you know, leasey pool is, is different. So yeah, certainly trade-offs there, but I think it makes a lot of sense to get good at some different asset classes and um, different asset classes are going to react differently to different parts of the economic cycle. So, I mean, that's 100%. all, that's all plus there. Well, kind of on that note, what about, I appreciate diving in on the industrial stuff. Um, that's really cool. What about on the retail side? Is it it's definitely some similarities there. Are you guys doing triple net? Is it, yep. you know, equally hard to find tenants? Are you doing 
high TI allowances? What is what did that look like? And specifically, like how did you kind of make that jump into into retail? Yeah, so so comparison retail to industrial. I mean, a lot of a lot of similarities. Industrial, you know, your typical industrial building is going to have probably less tenants because you've got most of them are going to you know, use a, a bigger bay. Not always depends on yep. where you're at. If you're a, so industrial, you know, if you've got like, let's say you're kind of more out into the suburbs, um, you're going to have a big warehouse and there's going to be maybe one, two, maybe three, you know, tenants on this big industrial building where if you're closer into the city, then you might have a lot of smaller bays. You're the last mile type of type of thing. You might have a lot more smaller uh, base, so you're going to have a lot more tenants in there. Uh, but for, for the most part, you know, you have less tenants, um, retail, again, it, it varies. Like if you've got big anchors that they might take out a, a big space. Um, but the, like the strip that we have, you know, our tenants, a lot of them have, you know, three, five, 10,000 square feet that they're renting. And it's about a hundred thousand square feet as well. It's a, a little bit over a hundred thousand square feet. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, they're, they're a lot more tenants in that one, you know, where, where our industrial is a hundred thousand square feet. We got one tenant, uh, our retail, uh, well, I don't remember how many tenants we have even right now, but we've got, we've got, you know, 20 ish. Um, so it's, you know, a lot, a lot more what 25, probably, I don't know. Um, the found that one, uh, very similarly, you know, this, the same company, uh, we partner with them and the, the broker actually. Uh, partner with us as well. And they're the ones managing it. So they specialize in retail and it's been, man, it has been awesome to have your partner as uh, you know, owning the brokerage that specializes in, in retail. These guys sure. are fantastic. It's, 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 you know, it's, it's essentially having in-house management. We pay them a third-party yep. management fee, but it's essentially in-house management. Yeah. Um, so it's been great. Huge advantage there, hundred yeah. percent. And so, as as far as the approach on the capital stack, similar approach. Yeah, very similar. Bank and some investor equity. Yeah, and this one, um, we did a uh, we did a renovation loan because we're doing a sizable renovation. So this is mm-hmm. a nineteen eighties uh, built. You know, it's a great location. By the way, that whether it's industrial, whether it's office, even multifamily, but you really want to focus on location specifically, in my opinion, retail, Mm -hmm. because you're, you're trying to drive people to go to these stores. So this is a, you know, the, the city is a, a, it's got all a and B class, everything, you know, residents, uh, buildings, everything. It's a fairly new, you know, up and coming type city Uh, and, and where we're located is major intersection, major traffic. Um, so we're doing a renovation to it. Um, taking that eighties look and turn it into a, a, you know, 2023 look, right. Whole new, whole new face, whole new facade on everything, parking lot. And then the whole building facade. Um, and so we got a construction loan, uh, but, but great terms, you know, same, same type of deal, 25 year, um, Definitely recourse, uh, sure. but local, local bank, actually the bank that financed this is literally looking at our parking lot, looking at our building. They've, they've got a big, they've got, their Check corporate headquarters is right there it's <laughs> looking over us. So they're watching us every day. <laughs> Love it. That's yeah. funny. 
Yeah, but they're excited. They're like, hey, th- this is great because it helps them out. They A lot of them go over there. There's some restaurants and stuff. They're looking forward to the new restaurants coming in. Um, yeah, they're going to they're gonna go hang out and play golf. We got this uh, this X-Golf that came in. They, there's a golf video simulator so you can cool. smack golf balls at these screens and drink beer. And yeah, so I'm sure that, you know, our bankers aren't going to get anything done anymore. They're just going to get you playing golf Play and drinking golf. beer. I love it. <laughs> We're, we're working on a concept where, where it's like, um, you know, private, uh, garages or personal warehouse type things. And it's like, man, we got 40 of these units. One of them, we ought to throw up a golf sim and, and serve yeah. beer and just yeah. sell a membership. You know, it's like, that's exactly what this is that have a freaking, you know, man cave. Yeah. And I'm um, like, we could totally sell that membership to them. Hundred percent, what this is. They yeah. got, I think, nine bays, and you know they do leagues, and guys, guys and gals come in, and in Minnesota, it's perfect because you yeah. know indoors. We're, we're actually one of the biggest golfing states in in the U.S., um, but we have the shortest golf season. Yeah, exactly. So, so everybody's perfect. on a sim. Yeah, yeah that totally yeah. makes sense. I love it. I love it. So would you, you guys would do more retail deals and, and it sounds 100%. Like I, I love, I love retail. I think it's, yep. I think retail has gotten this bad rap on it right? and, and for good reasons, right? We got all this e-commerce. And so 100%. you think, yep. oh, e-commerce retail is going away, but that's not at all what's happened. Retail is actually growing. Um, and you got to look at what your use is. I think that's the yeah. biggest thing is you got to adapt to the use. So you can't have only small boutique retail shops, but you do want some specialty shops. And that's, that's where it's key is what kind of, what kind of shops are you having that are coming in? You want some restaurants, you want entertainment like the X golf, right? We got a liquor store in there. That's perfect. We got an appliance store in there. That's perfect. Who's going online to buy appliances? Very few. I mean, Mm -hmm. it happens, but you know, so you got to think of what, what's going to drive people to the store, and do and also like if it is something that you can buy online easily, do they have a website that sells online? Do they have a good online presence? Because if they do, then what happens is people come into their store and they might not even buy at the store, but they're looking at something online. They go, oh yeah, I'm going to go check that out. They go check it out. They look at it. They might buy it there. They might go home and they might buy it online, but that's okay because it helps their sales regardless. It doesn't matter where they buy it as long as they buy it right through their store online or, or in person. So yeah, that's if you're going to cool... put a boutique shop there, I think make sure that they have an online presence that they're selling online as well. I like or that. Yeah, so they, unique that you can't they win either way, else. right? Buy it here, buy it online, whatever it's, it's yeah. coming back to us. I yeah. love it. Yeah. That's such a great approach. Um, I wanted to ask you Todd about, you know, We've both been in this business a little while now and seen some different stuff and you've been going since 2008. How has your kind of approach to being an owner and managing people and all this stuff changed over time as you've, you know, just matured as a, as a business owner? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I've made business growth a priority, right? So when I first started, it was me trying to do everything. You know, Mm -hmm. I, I, I was the guy that would show up with the tools in his truck and, um, man, Ready to get to work. Yeah, yeah, right. So I, I'm I'm pounding away. I'm I'm doing things, and even as I started to hire people, I'm still running to Home Depot and you know picking up materials and just 
just doing everything possible. I'll tell you one, one story. So I'm, I pick up all this material at Menards, which is like Home Depot, Mm -hmm. load my car up at a Nissan Altima. And I've got, you know, tons of crap in it, two by fours and concrete bags and all this stuff. And I drive and I hit this railroad track bed and my car just, boom, and the shocks and everything is, and it's dragging. I'm going down the road and I limp into this service station and, you know, $3,000 later, my car is fixed. But in the meantime, I'm like, what the heck am I doing? And I start researching and I figure out that Home Depot will come to my property. They'll take a material count of everything in my property and then they'll deliver everything to my property and they'll do that for free. Come on. And by the way, if I got a contractor account, I'll, I can get discounts if I order everything in bulk. And I wasn't ordering anything in bulk. I was buying it as needed. Yep. You know, so now if I make a $2,000 plus dollar purchase, I get like 10% discount and they deliver it for free. So I'm saving a ton of money and I'm not doing anything anymore. And I'm like, what, what am I now? What else am I doing wrong? So that right there was the, like that big paradigm shift that we all go through. And yep. that was like, smack me in the head. I can't believe I'm doing this stuff. I got to figure out what else am I, am I doing that's wrong that I shouldn't be doing. And it's always a learn. I mean, I'm always learning. I mean, Devin, I'm sure you're the same. Like course, you start yeah. doing things and you're yeah. like, you get it and you're grinding, you're grinding. You're like, what am I doing this for? I can hire somebody to do this. This is ridiculous. Like, um, so that's the biggest change for me is running it. So my podcast is kind of predicated around that too. Like, look, real estate, I think most real estate investors think it's about buying a deal. Think that real estate's about getting the next best deal. And certainly we got to find good opportunities, right? But being a successful real estate investor is about being a successful real estate company. It's about being a successful company, period. And so you have to learn how to operate as a company, not as a dude or a gal doing a bunch of deals. And and that's that's man, that's been a huge change in in big part of us being able to grow and expand. I love it. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. It's such a, it, it is a big paradigm shift and there's a lot of things that need to happen from being that journey. A lot of us taken kind of a W2 to a solopreneur, to a business owner, to a, a bigger business owner. And there's new yeah. skills that are required at each turn yeah. for sure. Yeah. Um, but I love, I love watching the the journey and seeing you guys do new stuff and, and keep growing. Um, well, Todd, man, thanks for catching up. Awesome seeing you. Tell people about the podcast, your podcast, and where they yeah. can find you. Yeah. So uh, Pillars of Wealth Creation is the name of the podcast. Uh, I, you were on, what, what, like four or five weeks ago, whatever yep. it was. Um, so so they can check uh, your episode out. And and, uh, and I believe that, man, I think we're at like 600 episodes now. Nice. So Congrats, man. Lot. That's killer. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. Wow. It's, crazy. It's, wild it's been going since about, 2000, right? 2017. Um, and so, yeah, so pillars of wealth creation, um, my website is enduruscapital.com, E-N-D-U-R-U-S capital.com. And then they can get a hold of me to Todd at enduruscapital.com. They would just want to reach out and learn more about what, what we got going on. Um, so yeah. Cool. Well, if you're listening, you can scroll down to the show notes and click straight through. We'll link to all that in the description. Um, Todd, 
great catching up, man. Thank you for, for jumping on and, and sharing the latest. Um, you know, we got an interesting, interesting year going on, but it'll be fun. Know, headwinds and tailwinds like always. So wish you guys success in the, in the year ahead, man. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, you, you as well. You as awesome. Well. It'll be a fun right. year. Yes, sir. Never <laughs> dull moment. We'll yeah. see you soon, man. See ya. Thank you for listening to the DJE podcast. For more information, please go to DJETexas.com.